0: solo travel stories, tips, and truths, it's time for this week's Woman Gone Wandering podcast. Hello, my lovely wanderers. Guess what? It's episode four. Episode four already. Magical episode four. And it is going to be a magical episode because it's going to be another Woman Gone Wandering with interview episode. And It's going to be another special one, in fact actually I'm having a little bit of a fangirl moment, it's true, because this week our topic is going to be India, and I'm going to be talking all things India with The Wandering Quinn, whose real name is Ellie Quinn, and in case you don't know Ellie and what she's up to, how very dare you, um, get on, on out there and follow her on every platform you can particularly Instagram, I actually found Ellie on Instagram and not via her blog first of all um, because I really loved her very honest Instagram stories, they're very real, they're very captivating and I love to see a fellow 20-something Brit traveling the world solo like myself and, um, but Ellie actually is a seasoned travel blogger and she's been doing it for quite some time, well before I discovered her. Ellie is from the UK and has been traveling for quite some time. She started traveling in 2010 to places such as Southeast Asia, South America, some of the Middle East. She lived in Australia for two years. And uh, that was all before she started her blog, The Wandering Quinn, in 2014. And a little bit like me with Woman Gone Wandering, she started off the blog is just a little bit of fun and sharing her trips and tips with others. But more recently in 2017, 2018, she started to take the blog uh, more seriously. And uh, she took the big leap of faith last year in July and decided to leave her job uh, in London and begin her extended trip through Asia. Ellie started her trip in India and I've been avidly following her adventures in India because it's been a place that's fascinated me for years because it seems so vibrant and so different to the Western culture that I know, um, and i 've always had an interest in Indian culture, having grown up in Leicester in the u k where there 's a huge concentration um, of an Indian population having a lot of friends who are who are Indian too, or with an indian heritage it 's somewhere that i 've always felt drawn to, but i haven 't yet taken. Uh, that next step to discover. So I found it really fascinating and insightful to follow Ellie's Instagram stories, um, as well as her blog posts, but, um, actually mostly her stories. The reason being, because you get to see really everything up close and, and the reality of it completely unfiltered Ellie's live thoughts on, on her journeys, on the places she's seeing. And it's really, I have to say, um, been a been a great thing to follow so far and feel a part of um, as a viewer so as I am in no way an India expert because I've never been there I thought who better to tell us a little bit more about her adventures in the country than Ellie because I have to say if I were to travel there or I hope to travel there soon I would be doing things very much in the way that Ellie is doing them so I thought who better if I can't do it who better to uh, tell us a bit more than Ellie? And actually, what's quite useful in the meantime is that Ellie has started a new endeavor, and that's the website indiabybackpack.com which is fresh, new, and exciting. It's just been launched. And the great thing about her new website is um, that it's like to help and grow a community of people who want to travel to India, who have traveled to India, and to share those insider tips and knowledge. Because Ellie told me that while she was in India, she's found that there wasn't really enough information and honest travel advice. Um, she also wanted to debunk the myths and the horror stories that she'd heard about India that she felt were untrue. And also that traveling around India has changed and isn't quite as complex as it used to be. And there are really efficient ways to get around this massive country. So head on over to indiabybackpack.com to find out more or to join the Facebook group. Um, But Ellie's actually going to tell us a little bit more about that in a few moments. So I digitally sat down with Ellie a few weeks ago while she was in India and I was in Munich. And we exchanged some questions and answers And I have to say, uh, it lived up to my expectation in terms of Ellie in her interview, really offers some insightful tips and views on her journey around India. It's a really great one. So, without further ado, my rambling, let's get on to our little chat about all things India. I hope you enjoy it. as I mentioned to you, I myself am really drawn to India, but I think people traveled to India for their own uh, reasons. So what drew you to choose India for an extended trip when there's so many different options out there?
1: India had been on my list to visit for quite some years. Um, I don't really know why exactly. I mean, my auntie and my uncle, they went when they were younger. And so I remember hearing stories about it and just always feeling like it just felt like that place that, I mean, it wasn't that far away, but just so kind of different. Um, But what really kind of inspired me to want to visit India was reading the book Shantaram in 2013. It is still my favorite book. I've read it a second time really recently, and it just describes India in the most amazing way and the people here. Um, So in 2013, India just flew to the top of my list. However, I didn't actually make it to India until 2018, um, but it definitely still lived up to like everything that I wanted it to, so I have no regrets about not visiting in 2013 because one of the reasons why I left it so long is because I knew it was just so big with so much to offer that I didn't want to have to rush it and now I am in a time where I don't have to rush my travels here
0: I'm definitely going to have to pick up that book I've heard so much about that book from several different people so I've certainly got to read it now Um, I completely also understand wanting to spend more time in a place like India. I feel exactly the same way about Asia in general. That's actually why I haven't been there yet, because unfortunately, I haven't had an extended period of time where I could go and explore. So I completely understand uh, that sentiment. So, yeah, while we're talking about the point of an extended trip... It must be hard to choose, but I'm going to make you choose some. What have the highlights been so far from your trip?
1: In terms of highlights from the last four months, I mean, I've done so much, um, but I would say... I stayed in a couple of hotels in Rajasthan that were really like heritage hotels and, you know, they really don't cost that much to stay in at all compared to, you know, like they would at home, for example, but you really do just get treated there so well. I was literally treated like a princess and with really great food and just such like royal rooms, um, but for such a good price. So that was definitely a highlight. Um, I also went to Dharamshala in the mountains and that just completely surprised me because there's a lot of Buddhist people People there and the air was just so fresh and it was like exactly what I needed at that time and it's in the base of the Himalayas just absolutely stunning so that was a big highlight and then I guess another one would be going to Palalem Beach in Goa because I arrived there and the beach there is basically like my favorite beaches in like Thailand and the Philippines but the fact that that was in India just made me think wow like India has it all.
0: Beaches, mountains, Being treated like a princess, it really sounds like India has it all. Um, But if we're talking about highlights, a lot of people, of course, are going to think of and mention the Taj Mahal, one of the seven wonders of the world. Tell me, is it worth the hype or is it just overrated? The Taj
1: Mahal was totally, totally worth it. So I was very silly and the Taj Mahal is closed on Fridays. And I had read that multiple times. Um, But when you're traveling, you know, you have no idea what what the day it is. Basically, you go by the date. Um, Like I need to be here by this date, here by this date. And so I just didn't even think to check. And then it got to Thursday and I was in Agra and I was planning on going to the Taj tomorrow. And then it was in the afternoon, and my guy that was taking me around Agra was like, Hang on, the Taj Mahal is closed tomorrow. And I just literally felt like my world just crumbled because I thought, I can't not go. And like, I'm a travel blogger, I can't not go. Um, And I was supposed to be leaving really early Saturday morning. So in the end, I managed to um, get a different train Saturday night. And then I went on Saturday morning. And so I guess and I always think that everything happens for a reason. I'm a big believer of that, especially like in travel and you know I think that I appreciated the Taj Mahal so much more because I was so close to not being able to go and the weather was also incredible and it actually hadn't been that nice for the last few mornings but it was just stunning like there is just something about it and people say you know you can't describe it and I hate to be one of them people to say like I can't describe it but it's just majestic and so grand and so big and I went in at sunrise so when I went in the sky was just getting light and it was just there and it's just I think again I would say you know it's one of them things because you see so many photos of it if we weren't con to the fact that you know like it's a wonder of the world maybe we would think but it's like slightly differently but Because you see so many photos of it, just seeing it in real life truly is amazing. And I've met people here that have been to India and haven't seen the Taj Mahal. And in all honesty, you know, India is so big that if the Taj Mahal and going to Agra does not fit into your itinerary, that's fair enough. I would say, you know, don't hugely go out of your way to visit because you know it, it can be a long journey. And for example, but if you are in the area and it's on your list, then you have to go, and you will not be disappointed.
0: For me personally I've always been in love with the I know cliché idea of doing yoga in India. I know that you did a yoga holiday during your trip. Is it something you'd recommend and how authentic was it?
1: In all honesty, I haven't had the best yoga experience in India. I guess I had again this thought in my head that everyone probably does like I'm going to India, I'm going to do loads and loads of yoga. It's like so zen over there. But in all honesty, there isn't that much available. Um, And it's still the case. So even if you do go to towns where they have yoga classes on, you know, going in the morning or the evening, if they've got extra things that you need to see in the town, it's hard to fit into your day. I know that sounds silly, but when you do get here, you know, you'll be like, oh, I'm tired. So I can't bother to go this morning. And then all of a sudden you've never gone. Um, The other thing is that I found that a lot of places you'll maybe arrive and you'll be the only student, which isn't a problem and they will still do it, but it can just be a little bit awkward. And a lot of the times the people that are actually teaching the yoga are Indian men and you know they're, they're yogis, but they teach in a very different way than what we do in the West. Rightly so, because obviously yoga is from here, but it is just very different. Like the poses, you know, like I really like going to yoga to do, obviously to stretch and do all the poses, but to you know have a bit of a workout whereas I've been to lessons here and you know we've we've just kind of done some stretches and I'm like oh that was good but like they're the kind of stretches that really to get benefit out of them you should be doing them every day on your own anyway Um, so I have found it a bit strange however with that being said or because I found it so I found it quite difficult um, I did a yoga retreat in Palalem in Goa and that was really good you have to go for a minimum of a week they also do yoga teacher training it's a really good Place to go, and this was yeah, fantastic. And it was, you know, two lots of yoga a day, plus the meditation, plus like lots of like just really good food. It was all inclusive, accommodation there, and yeah, it was great. And the teacher, the main guy that owns it is Indian, um, but the girls that also teach there are from Europe. So it was basically like classes like I do at home. Um, So really, really good. So I would definitely recommend doing that. Rishikesh is the home of yoga for sure. And you can go there and find yoga all times of the day in all different places. But again, it's just hard to find somewhere that's Right, because there's so many signs you'll find like a really good teacher in a really good class um so recommendations are definitely the good thing um so yeah yoga is definitely possible here but it hasn't particularly lived up to what i thought it was going to be in all honesty
0: So maybe we're not all going to be Liz Gilberts and uh, Julia Roberts on our trip to India. That's good to know. But it's good to get that honest take because when you do see films or read books like that, it's easy to slip into the misconception that yoga is like that everywhere in India. And as you say, the practice in India is quite different from what we experience in the Western world, which is very much more adapted to our own culture. So it's really interesting that you picked up that difference and that maybe it wasn't for you. Now, kind of on to the nitty gritty practicalities. Have you approached planning a trip to India? What kind of places have you stayed? Because as a backpacker, it seems somewhat accessible with hostels, but what recommendations would you give to kind of woman gone wandering style travelers, those who've done their time in hostels and now prefer to have a room of one's own, so to say? Are there any good or safe alternatives? I have
1: mainly stayed in hotels in India and for the price, they've been really, really accessible. I've stayed in a couple of hostels in places where, you know, a private room in a hotel maybe is a similar price, but the quality just doesn't seem as good. Whereas When you stay in a hostel, there are some really good hostels in India, there's lots of chain hostels, um, so you know exactly what you're going to expect in each one, especially if you've stayed in a few of their properties in the country before, the staff are always really friendly, like good beds, like willing to help you out, Um, so I've stayed in a few hostels, but mainly in hotels because I just want my own room and like just be able to do my own thing and get a better sleep, Um, and they have been really accessible, I'd say I pay on average maybe like £10 a night. Um, And they've been totally, totally safe. And, you know, you can, again, if you've got a bigger budget, you can get a lot more for your money here. Admittedly, yeah, like some of the cheaper hotels, you know, they are kind of budget rooms. And when they say a budget room, like it tends to be one. I have definitely stayed in a few places that have been a little bit manky. But for the overall, you know, as a backpacker on a budget or someone that just doesn't want to pay a huge amount, but wants to get good value, um, then there's definitely possibilities for hotels in India for that
0: that's really good to know that there's a range of property and hotels available according to budget if you don't want to stay in a hostel because I think the concern is always if you move out of a hostel and into hotels that maybe aren't chain hotels are they going to be safe are they going to be of a quality? so it's good to know that there's a good solid um, basic range out there and then you can move up from there depending on budget so that's reassuring I think to anyone planning right now And speaking of planning, how easy has it been traveling from place to place with public transport? Because I'm a huge public transport fan. I try to walk or use public transport wherever I go, although at the moment a lot of my trips have been within Eastern and Western Europe. So how does that differ in India and what's the quality like? What's the efficiency like? Have you been able to get around on public transport okay?
1: The public transport in india is so good and the reason is is because when it comes to tourism the key thing that i didn't even really realize before i came here is that Tourism is not in the foreigners that come to India. It's in the Indians themselves that travel. So Indians travel a lot and they're traveling their own country a lot right now, um, which is really great. And it just means that it's so easy to get around. You know, the trains are, of course, the main way to get around. Like India is so famous for its trains and they're really great. Like I've done multiple overnight trains and I've done loads of day trains and I book them online myself on the same website that an Indian person would, which means I can like scroll through the different times Like, what time do I want to go? What what class do I want to go? And therefore, like, how much do I want to pay? It's not like in Southeast Asia where there's only one bus minibus running and that's all there is and you're packed in with a load of other travelers you really have so much freedom here and if it's not the trains then you can get um, buses like tourist buses that are just like coaches and then alternatively to that there's also local buses of course local buses are harder to get you might be standing they're a bit more uncomfortable um but they benefit by being so so cheap so i have found getting around india really good obviously it's long there's it's long journeys it's a huge country um but it it's really not been that bad at all.
0: You've travelled to so many places. In what way is India different, both the good and also the not so good?
1: India is just really so different to travel. I remember seeing a quote that said, there are those that have traveled and there are those that have traveled to India. And so I always remember being like, I want to be that person that's been to India as well. I would say in the difference, I mean, relating back to what I just said is that, you know, so many Indian people travel here. So we are very much the minority as foreigners. And as much as that can be like a little bit more difficult in terms of, you know, people staring at you and, you know, not having that kind of common connection with everyone that you see, it's actually really nice because it kind of makes you feel like it's more adventurous, you know, because not everyone comes here. And some days, you know, in some cities, and some places, you won't really see that many white people for a while or foreign people for a while. And that's kind of nice. And then when you do see them, people are a lot more ha- like friendly. Other travellers will say hi, which doesn't always happen in other places. And then the other thing, you know, why it's so different, I think it's just the, the big religion. I mean, you know, Hinduism is the main religion in India. There are definitely other religions like Sikhism, Muslims, um, Christians, like a, it's just so religious, but you know, they just have so many like special ways about the how they do things and why they do things. And when you start learning about that, it is really, really interesting. Um, yeah, and I think it's just also so different because of, you know, how, again, how big it is. You know, it's just so big and there are so many different places that you can go here. And if you're a city person, you can do that. If you're not, you can go into the mountains, you can go down to the beaches, you can go hiking. And the, I mean, there are places, you know, the t- kind of keen tourist places that's mostly what I've been doing in my first four months. But I'm going to plan. I do plan to come back here and see so much more that you know the general first-time tourists like don't go to in India because there is just so much here.
0: It's funny you should say that because it's this element of foreignness of feeling different that I kind of crave in terms of travel because it brings a whole different dimension to the adventure when you don't understand the language when you're not familiar with the culture. When religion plays a deeper and more important part at the heart of society also shifts the whole culture um, and local traditions around it. So I have to say that's what draws me to India. So it's really fascinating that you pick up on that as being the main thing that sets it apart too. So if we move away now into the not so good Uh, A big reason I personally struggle with the idea of India is because I have to admit, it's not a topic I want to talk about, but I don't have the strongest traveler's stomach even when it comes to places within Europe. So do you have any top tips for avoiding getting ill during an India trip or what do you have with you in case you are unlucky? Because I think India has a reputation for getting poorly at some point during your trip so is it something you should plan for is it something that you should bat away to the back of your mind so that it doesn't skew your perceptions of taking a trip there what's what's your thoughts and what's your experience so far
1: One of the biggest concerns that people have when coming to India for sure is um, being ill and I would love to tell you (laughs) that I have not been ill but that would be a complete lie. Um, I did very well for my first month in India and I didn't really have a problem like at all in being ill and then I did get very sick, um, a bad stomach both ways and it just hasn't really gone and it's been quite a few weeks now and I do think there's definitely something wrong with my body um I guess you know the bacteria is different here and I think I was just very unlucky with that um however I do look at it with the kind of point of view that I have been so lucky with everything else on my trip to India and it's been gone so so well like just it's been incredible so for me to kind of you know fail I guess at the the illness section I'm okay with that but I would say the main thing, you know, to try and avoid that. I mean, people say to avoid street food and things, but, you know, you can't avoid everything. You know, a lot of places will, if they have salads or they do juices and stuff like that, they say it's with mineral water. So that's always something to look out for. My biggest advice over the standard kind of advice of obviously not eating, you know, making sure you wash your hands and making sure that you don't eat in places that look really dirty, etc. But my biggest advice would be to not come to India with the idea that you're going to get ill because I'm big into manifesting and I think that if you come here completely scared that you're going to get ill straight away, you're going to get ill straight away. I think if you come here with a good attitude and, you know, you're confident and you are like clever, then, you know, you're much more likely to be, to not get ill and definitely in the first few weeks anyway.
0: I think it's time to address a bigger, more serious point uh, in our little interview. And that is the issue of female safety, because We all read the news and sadly India's received some negative press recently in regard to female safety. So particularly for female solo travellers. How has this influenced your trip and the decisions that you take as a solo female traveller when choosing where to go and and how to travel there? And have you experienced any difficulties or felt unsafe during your trip? And if you have, what what did you do in those scenarios to cope and deal with them?
1: I have been so pleasantly surprised with how it has been to travel India as a solo female traveler because I did have some like worries and some reservations before coming here and you know it was the one place that my mum was always like you're not going on your own Um, but I mean I'm 28 now so obviously I was like I'm going and you know I've traveled to loads of different places on my own but I was still just that little bit worried because of what I've seen in the media and what I continue to see in the media on YouTube and in blogs and it's a really it's a really difficult subject because I have had zero issues. And in all honesty, I struggle to put myself in the feet, position of some people that have had issues. And obviously I don't want to, I've believe everything that anyone has ever said and had done to them and definitely not that and I feel you know really bad that people some women have come here and had bad situations but I just haven't and you know I think a lot of that is to do I'm a very confident traveler um so you know I don't I always make sure I kind of like know, like look like I know where I'm going to go. And, you know, even if I don't, and I'm very assertive as well. And I do talk to people here for sure. Like I do talk to locals, but I think it's like anywhere, you know, it's one of them places where people will always try and talk to you because they are very very interested or they want to sell you something. But, you know, after trying to say no, thank you to a few people in the morning, you know, you can't be bothered to talk to anyone else. <laughs> it's just that kind of like sales pitch thing. And you're like, no, I can't be bothered. And so I don't, you know, I, I don't talk to sort of strangers really randomly. So I think that's maybe helped. Um, but yeah, I've just been very, very confident. I mean, for me, the biggest issues have been is when it comes to like the selfies, because they're not, it's not intimidating. that no, no one's going to, oh, sorry, it's not um, scary. But there are times when you will just get like a group of guys come over to you and, you know, they're kind of like, guys on holiday, you know, that kind of lads mentality. Um, They'll come over like selfie, selfie, selfie. And then sometimes you'll say no. And well, I always say no. And then sometimes that'll be fine. And then other times they're very pushy. And I had a situation recently where some guy took like a sneaky selfie of me, which means like, you basically don't know they're going to take it. They just, you're walking past them and they just put their phone up in the sky and take a photo. And I was already in a bit of a bad mood that day because I just, like, I I don't know, I just was just a bit annoyed, um, just from other things. And I was just like, no, I'm not having this. So I was like, delete it, delete it. And, you know, he didn't really understand. And all of his friends were stood in front of me. There was about 15 of them. I actually caught it on camera because I was filming that day. And, you know, then having to walk past them was just felt a little bit intimidating. And then they were all kind of like giggling, but no more than like walking past a group of 15 guys would in London, you know, that would intimidate me if they were like, you know, hoodies and that kind of thing. Even at 28, I'm still a bit intimidated by that. So, you know, I think the best thing to do here is just to make sure you stay in accommodation that is got good reviews, you know, look to see what other travellers reviews have said. One of the biggest things I would say is that I, when I look on, I book all Of my accommodation on booking.com, and you know, because I said, like I said, a lot of Indian people do travel, um, I basically disregard all of the reviews that they give because I want to see a review from you know a girl from holland or a girl from you know britain or australia or you know somewhere like that or anywhere else basically who is a foreigner here and if they've said you know really good things about the staff and that kind of thing that makes me feel very comfortable again the hostels you know the chain hostels they're very very safe and they're you know designed for travelers as well for foreigners here um so you would never have any issues in there And then in terms of, you know, transport, I always just kind of make friends, you know, if you're on a long journey, people are very, very friendly here. And I, yeah, I, I find it, like I said, I find it hard to put myself in the shoes of someone who's had an issue because I just haven't had any issues here. But I do think that comes down to a lot of confidence and just, you know, not taking any shit, really.
0: That's really reassuring to know that you haven't had any issues. And I completely agree Um, It's really important to look confident and seem confident, even in times when you're not. Of course, when it comes to some events, uh, it's merely just a case of luck, like right place, right time or wrong place, wrong time, whether you're confident or not. Sometimes people just get into difficult situations and that's really unfortunate and through no fault of theirs but I, I agree with you I think arming yourself with um, a confidence a real confidence or even a fake fake it till you make it confidence is really key and to always look where you're going I find it really great that you also think that because this is a key kind of tactic of mine is particularly when I don't know where I'm going then I look the most Uh, convincing (laughs) that I know where I'm where I'm off to Um, but I also tend to look at maps and stuff in advance so that if I do get lost I roughly know the direction and I kind of keep walking and looking confident until I get to a spot where I feel comfortable enough to get out my phone or to get up a map without kind of doing those things being a flashing beacon like hey look at me I'm a lost tourist come and approach me so um, it's good to know that women of the world and women traveling the world are all kind of thinking and operating in the same way to keep safe. That's that's reassuring to know. It sounds, as I mentioned in the introduction to the podcast, you've just launched a new website and online community India by Backpack. Congratulations, first of all. What was your motivation for doing that and what do you hope to offer the travel community with this website and community?
1: Yes, I have just launched a new website called India by Backpack, which I'm really, really excited about. And I launched it because I felt like when I was typing into Google, you know, things to do here or what to do here, you know, there were some really great articles coming back with, you know, the best things to do in like XYZ city but they're just still, they still just weren't that realistic, you know, because they're just listing off the best points of interest, which yes, you want to know, but if the biggest thing that I've found in India and especially traveling long-term as well, is that you just can't do everything. And you know, these cities, yes, there's so many forts, there's so many palaces, there are so many temples. And yes, they are amazing, or at least some of them are amazing, but some of them are just, you know, they're kind of just not worth the time or not worth the money. And I just really wanted to give that honest opinion. And the other thing is, well, you know, firstly, like I was putting this information on my blog. um, And so, you know, I just wanted somewhere that was it's not just my voice that was going to be other people's experiences as well. So I've set up India by Backpack, which I am posting blog posts on, um, but I also really want to encourage other people to post on there and guest post and share their experience. So it's not just my voice, it's, you know, many different voices and opinions, because the other thing is, you know, you can go to a place and, you know, just have a bad experience, maybe just because of the mindset that you're in at that time, or, you know, you don't like your accommodation or something like that, whereas other people go and they just absolutely love it. So I really wanted to create a community where people can share their experiences. I've also set up a Facebook group um, and you can search for that by typing in India by Backpack. And again, I just wanted people to be able to comment in there and with some questions um, and just be able to get some experience from travellers who have been to India and get their opinions And then the other thing is there's also just so many little things that I've picked up on like whilst I've been in India, like for example, I took two overnight trains and I didn't have any food on them basically because I assumed that someone would come around and like sell meals and they didn't. And so it got to the morning and I was starving by the time I got off and then I realized Oh, actually, you can order meals online on the website that you book your trains on. But I just hadn't thought about that. So I just wanted to create a site with all of these just like extra little things that I wanted to add in and that I've learned um, that travellers, you know, can really have the best experience here. And, you know, there are is, there is a lot of ne- negativity in the media. And there's also just a lot of past stories. You know, I've heard so many stories about India, like horrors and the scams of, you know, The scams here are the worst in terms of, you know, people saying, like, oh, your hostel's not open or, you know, the train's been delayed or it's been cancelled. But, you know, that isn't true. That doesn't happen anymore. I fully believe and know that that did used to happen for sure. But India has changed so much. And, you know, I have a SIM card and I really recommend that every traveler to India gets a SIM card, even if you're just here for two weeks. It's really, really cheap and really like easy to get. And it just helps you so much because you can just go online, you can check the status of your train. Obviously, you've booked your accommodation online. You can call them for help. It just makes everything so much easier. And I think there are still so many negative horror stories of India out there that I wanted to create a website to say, no, this isn't the way you travel India anymore. This is how you now travel India.
0: I'm really excited to see where that all goes for you. It really sounds fantastic. And uh, that's kind of also why I'm doing the podcast. It's a way to share knowledge. That's why I'm talking to people like your lovely self to garner this knowledge, to encourage and enable others to travel the world, to see the world and to feel confident doing so. And, you know, there's no need in this day and age as a blogger or not to kind of hold on to information and treat it that it has that kind of value that means you have to keep it to yourself. I think the joy is doubled when you share something. So it's very important to me personally to share these experiences to encourage others. So I find this whole idea of the, of the community, particularly for India, which is more daunting for people than most other places. I think it's going to be a really great resource. So I'm excited to see where things go. So your time in India is coming to an end where are you off to next are there any places you visited in India that you want to come back to in the future and explore more of or are you saying okay I'm done now or I've had my fill of this country like what's your what's your plans what's in your mind for the future
1: After four months in India, I am popping to Thailand for a couple of weeks, and Thailand always used to be my favourite country. That was the country that I'd say is my favourite. India obviously is like a tough runner-up for that, so I'm excited to go back to Thailand and see what I think. I think they might have to both come in joint. Um, So I'm looking forward to that, and then after that, I go to Sri Lanka. So obviously going from India to Sri Lanka is a really popular route that most travelers do either like either way round. um and I've heard amazing things about Sri Lanka and again I think it's gonna be quite similar to India in many respects but also very different so that'll be interesting to observe and then after that in March I'm actually planning on coming back to India um Holi is on their very festival of colors is on in the middle of March so I'm hoping to come back to that and there's just so much in India that I do want to explore I wanted to be sending a lot more time, basically in the north. The north has definitely been my favourite part of India, and there are some parts in the mountains um, that are just not really that explored. Um, so I do want to go there, but you have to be really careful with the weather because the other thing is that everyone thinks India is really hot, and it really isn't. Like in most places up there right now, it's snowing, so I need to make sure I avoid that. Um, but yeah, I there's also a lot of places that I do want to go back to, or not too many, but places like Rishikesh, again, the home of yoga. You know, I just went there for a week and I could stay there for a couple more weeks. There's just so many like courses on and so many different things. Like I went to an amazing thing on a Sunday once. And then I just thought, I, that they hold it every Sunday. And I thought, wouldn't it be amazing just to be here for like a few weeks in a row and go every Sunday there. Also places like Dharamshala, um, you know, up in the mountains, like I want to go back there. And in terms of going back to the beaches, if I ever think like I just need to go to the beach, then Palalam is definitely the place for me. And yeah, I plan to spend a lot more time in India in 2019 and also visiting the nearby countries. You know, it's really easy to get into um, Nepal. Um, Bangladesh is here as well. I might try and do that. Um, and then it's so cheap to fly to different countries from as well so it's going to be a good year of travel for me and definitely seeing a lot more of India um, which I'll be featuring all on my new site so I am very excited about all of that thank you for letting me be on the podcast Louise I feel very very honored to be asked and thank you for letting me talk about my passion of India and share it with your listeners I hope everyone has enjoyed it
0: and thank you, Ellie. I'm sure everyone has enjoyed it. It's been a true pleasure to have you on the podcast. I'm going to keep following your adventures, either via India by Backpack, the new website and the new Instagram, Facebook groups, and of course, as always, I will continue to to follow the Wandering Quinn, my first travel blogging uh, love. Uh, thank you so much. so my lovely wanderers there you have it that was my interview with ellie quinn of the wandering quinn on all things india i hope you found some useful insights tips tricks kind of views and thoughts I really love chatting to Ellie about her experience, what I love most is that she's so open and honest about everything and I think that's key, particularly in this so-called world of the influencer where people tend to just focus on the positive because that's what they're getting paid for and the filtering of photos, yes that's another side of Instagram, it's wonderful to just scroll through a beautiful feed but as a traveller I want to know what I'm getting, I want to know the truth and um, i love that ellie kind of adopts the same style that i do which is when she talks about her journeys and her experiences it's like sitting down over a cup of tea with a good friend so and that's certainly how my interview with her even though digital um exactly was and who knows i had a cuppa whilst i was recording to her maybe she had an indian chai on her side have to ask her so i really hope you enjoyed the india episode If you haven't already subscribed, how very dare you, make sure to subscribe and tune in regularly to the Woman Gone Wandering podcast on Spotify, on iTunes, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, you name it, it's everywhere, so there's no excuse. And uh, if you want to leave a little love in the comments or in the ratings, please do. I would love a little bit of love. Who doesn't? Otherwise, until next time, lots of love to you, my fellow wanderers. From me, Louise, Woman Gone Wandering.